0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Good morning. Police say they found at least 41 shell casings here at the crime scene from the gunman's legally obtained and personally modified assault style rifle. In addition, they said he could possibly have used some 250 additional rounds of ammunition. Police stopped him before he could use any of them and enter a bar that was packed at the time. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to
1: finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violas, and this is a CBS News Radio production. Uh, big thanks to everybody hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Really appreciate the comments. appreciate the thoughts. Also, thank you for writing in. Uh, remember, you can always hit me at info at that's If you want some of a more personal message, you want to send me, you know, like a lot of you folks have been doing, sending me emails, that's the way to get it. If you want to do that, that's cool, too. Really appreciate you taking a moment, going to cbsaudio.com and leave uh, a review of the show. What you say has a lot to do with the content that we produce as evidenced by what we're going to be talking about today. A lot of you have written in since the shootings that sparked this past Saturday, talking about uh, police presence in the communities and police presence at street events and police presence at houses of worship and you know, your feelings about that. What you know my thoughts because you've heard it on television, on CBS, you've heard it on CBS radio, you've heard it here, how I feel about that. And 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 to reiterate before I, I introduce um our our great guest today, I just want to make sure that everybody listening really understands where my head is at. And that is by the grace of God that those police were there when they were there in El Paso, in in Dayton. If not, the death count would have been catastrophic. And just ask the cops there, ask the people there. So police presence today has evolved. There's no doubt about that. Police response today has evolved since, the, since 40 years ago when I started. And it's important that we talk about that because so much is moving and changing right now in our, in our country. and And we have to understand where and why what you see on television with respect to where police are in our communities and our responsibility to that, that communication needs to change, and it can change right now, and it's really important. I could not have uh, a better guest today to talk about the subject of the evolution of police presence and response in America's communities. I simply could not. I'm talking about Patrick Yeoes. Pat is the National Secretary for the Fraternal Order of Police And commander of the Special Services Division of the St. Charles Sheriff's Office in St. Charles Parish, Louisiana. His book, Chest Deep and Rising, The Hurricane Katrina Nightmare, is, to say the least, a revealing and inspiring account of one of the most horrifying events in U.S. history. In my estimation and in the estimation of our colleagues and communities all over America, Pat is a true leader in our national police community, having served our country with honor and distinction for over three decades. We are proud here at Security Matters to welcome Patrick Gyoz to the show. Pat, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
0: Well, Paul, thank you very much for, for allowing me to, to join you today. If I could, if we just start, uh, just have to say that our hearts and prayers go out to the families of the victims in El Paso, Daytona, Gilroy, and Norfolk, just uh, the most recent of our, uh, you know, mass shootings across the country. I I know the families are struggling, uh, difficult time trying to find something that makes some sense of where we are today in America and and how this can happen to their family. And, uh, you know, that there's many factors, and they're very complex. And, you know, I just know that our our hearts go out for them. But but I'd also have to to echo what you said earlier, you know, that, that, that as horrific as this was, it could have been so much more. And it, you know, but by the grace of God, you are correct. Law enforcement officers rushed in and rushed towards the sounds of gunfire in order to protect and save lives, and did so uh, to the to their own detriment, to their own their own uh, safety, uh, put put that second to those they serve, and uh, clearly saved.
1: No telling how many And no telling is right, Pat, because listening to what the police chiefs have said and community leaders have said, that was clearly the case. Pat, I want to jump right into this. I know your time is precious. You've got a lot going on down in New Orleans right now. So let, let's just hit this, all right? America is, is speaking out right now about the exemplary response police displayed in Gilroy, El Paso, and Dayton during the recent shootings in their respective locations. Now, as a highly tenured police officer and and police executive, please explain, if you don't mind, to our audience why police have changed their response protocols from, back in my day, setting a perimeter and waiting for, ta- for tactical responders such as SWAT to immediately move into the line of fire as opposed to where they are right now.
0: Well, you know, I think first you have to look at where we are today. I mean, the problem that we're having, I I think, the escalation we're seeing is we we have a whole new class of people now, though, who totally do not have the social skills or the interpersonal skills necessary to resolve conflict. And it it just uh, you add social media to it and other things. Well, what you're doing is you have a, a toxic mix of anonymity and, in some cases. Uh, isolation mixed with validation of, of, of one's beliefs. So we're seeing people act out on, on, on violence much more than we did, uh, you know, just a decade, two decades, three decades ago. Good point. I, you know, I, I remember, you know, years ago when my agency, long before school shootings were something that was, uh, that you know, that's on the buzzword every people everyone talks about now, you know, we looked at the, the need to recognize that we have a facility where we've got a few thousand kids. There needs to be some important Aspects into the safety of having officers in schools. And, and I remember people arguing saying, man, have we gotten that bad that we have to have police in schools? And my argument would be, why, why not? Now, why, why, This, we know we have people there. We have a responsibility to provide and protect the people within, within that microcosm of a community. So just in a simple version of a school, we have a moral responsibility to make sure that we do have a safe plan. Now, that's 20 years ago. Now we look at a society now where people are acting out on it. Well, it's it's a necessity, and anyone who has a facility that public visit, uh, they have to recognize that it is vitally important that the safety and well-being of the people who who, are, who participate in whatever whatever function that you have that that there has to be an ops plan to recognize the safety and protection of those people.
1: And I think the key part about this conversation, Pat, is the fact that. Uh, And for everyone listening, and I can't overemphasize this. I mean, I started law enforcement 40 years ago. And, you know, things have changed a lot. But image and presence is something that I want to touch on before I ask Pat the next question. And the image and presence I'm talking about is when you see a police officer in the community, a lot of people have gone a lot of years thinking when you see a police officer, something bad must have happened. You know, Pat, I mean, I I hear that a lot from people. Well, you can see a cop, I get worried. When I see a cop, I get scared. And what what I feel that we need to change, Pat, and I, I really love your opinion on this, what I feel we need to change, and what I believe is changing, what's changing as America has been speaking out after what they have seen police do in these active shootings, 255 already in this year alone, what we see is that police presence, ladies and gentlemen, isn't a bad thing. It is a blessing. And when you think about what firefighters do, when people run out of a fire, they're running in. What police are doing today, instead of standing back when shots are fired, they're running at the bullets. They're doing that, and they're doing it in record time. I mean, Pat, under 30 seconds or 30 seconds, Dayton, it mitigated that risk, right? Under a minute, El Paso. I mean, these are, tell, Pat, are these not unprecedented response times or what?
0: I think you, you look at Dayton. I can think of no better, uh, no no better example. With the video footage that was captured within th- within seconds of this uh, occurring, you saw the face of true heroes. Uh, you know, people who clearly reacted and did what was necessary in order to be able to stop a threat. And at no time did you see any any hesitation on their part for their own safety. And you know, you saw people fleeing, fleeing, fleeing. You know, fleeing uh, the, the incident. While you saw officers advancing and giving and pushing, and pushing the, uh, the you know pushing the threat and uh, eliminating the threat, they, no hesitation.
1: And so that goes absolutely. back to that, right. That, that goes back to a changing world in law enforcement, Pat. Right? I mean that that goes back to policing today, and and what police are doing to change that communication, and what police know they must do to keep communities safe, which is why their presence. Is not, just re- is, is not just required. I mean, it is an absolute necessity to make sure that our police presence is where it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot overemphasize this. Now, Pat, my next question to you is, I've been asked more times than I can count if I feel the escalated police presence at special events and houses of worship is warranted as some folks feel a bit unnerved by their presence. How would you answer that question?
0: Yeah, I, we all buy insurance for our automobile, hoping we never get involved in a traffic accident. And the reality is, is we need that because there's always the possibility that something would happen. But we we hope to go our entire life without ever getting in an accident. And So I, I see this no different. Uh, we, we are in a position now where we have a responsibility to provide safety for these events, and we need to recognize that that is just as much important as the event itself. It has to have an ops plan. Uh, it has to have some well-thought-out responses in, in prevention. Uh, and and security uh, measures in place, every single one of them. And to not do so is really doing a disservice to to whatever the function is. Uh, I I think we we put these things in place as, as, as a necessity, hoping that we never need them. But if you look at what's going on every time you turn on the evening news, there is somewhere in America someone who thought that they would never be involved in this situation, now, uh, yet are have to deal with
1: it. Now, Pat, St. Charles Parish Sheriff's Office has a rich history in serving its community, and I know the parish itself has a wonderful community history. I'm sure that you have more than your share of community events, and don't you? Am I wrong?
0: Well, without a doubt. We are a, uh, we're a suburb of, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans is a, is a party city, is a, one of the top tourist destinations in the country. So we're constantly having events. And, and not only that, you know, the same thing you, you talked about, the schools, the you know, houses of worship, all of these things are places that, uh, in our agency, we, we actually provide training to, to, uh, to churches and, uh, houses of worship in order to in schools and in facilities and businesses to, to kind of give a, a kind of an, a, a good security overview of things that maybe they wouldn't think of a, a w- otherwise and, and some training that helps them become much more efficient in, in providing those security services in their facilities.
1: Now, now, Pat, that leads me into my next question with your position and your rich history with the Fraternal Order of Police. But just to piggyback on that question before we move forward. Um, the services that you're talking about that you provide to your community uh, in St. Charles Parish, and again, St. Charles Parish, Louisiana. Is this right. something that communities all over the United States can expect from their police departments as well to provide them?
0: I, I yeah, There's clearly an evolution in law enforcement uh, that went from we, we will take care of these services to we need to empower others to be part of these services. That's excellent. Uh, it, it, Without a doubt and so I, I think, as you see more and more agencies are taking that role. Uh, I know uh, our agency was was rather early in starting to do that we 've had a number of agencies that came by and patterned our program i 'd love to tell you that we were innovative, and we came up with it but but we also did the same I, I see I see a trend going across the country where agencies who are more progressive who they' are uh, getting above uh, you know rather than being reactive trying to be proactive mm-hmm. and, and not uh, i I like to to reference it as this you know look we we put these things in place hoping we never use them but the reality is is every time we put these things in place and we have a good strong strict plan on how we're going to handle these things and put some well thought out uh actions uh in order to, to for the safety and protection of the people that are participating in these facilities well i think what we're doing is we're taking away some of the the possibility of it happening as well we've making our we're Recognizing some things that, that, uh, that make it a safer and harder for someone else to, you know, someone to do this type of, uh, action. Keep in mind, someone who's, who's determined and, and, uh, has little, little, uh, concern about consequences is going to, you know, have a, a certain amount of, uh, uh, opportunity to do what they're going to do. Right. But, uh, taking away the option these opportunities is, is a very important thing of what we need to do. It's, it's no different than any type of, uh, you know, crime prevention. Uh, initiative we've had in to pass is just this one is a little bit uh, geared more towards the protection of, of people and with a little bit more uh, enforcement rules.
1: Well said. So I'm going to jump right into that. So I'm piggyback off of that again. You have held an executive level position with the Fraternal Order of Police at the local, state and or national level for now over 30 years, which puts you, I would have to say, and I'm sure my opinion would be joined by many, in a very unique position to educate America on, quite frankly, Pat, what can we expect regarding the changes police have and will continue to implement in our communities to keep citizens safe? Can you lay that out for us? Well, one of the
0: problems that we have in America today is is that uh, I I like to refer to law enforcement in some respects as low-hanging fruit. Uh, we have a a tree of a lot of failed policies, largely in inner cities, but not, not necessarily, uh, um, you know, specific to inner cities, but we have a, we have a number of policies that, that have, have failed, uh, failed our public. And I say that I'm not being specific. I'm not being critical. What I'm saying is, is that I, I think we have a growing frustration of people in our communities. And when we have a growing frustration, for example, failing school systems are not something law enforcement is responsible for. Yet we, in some ways, have to deal with the, uh, you know, with the offshoot of it. Uh Failing family units, uh, poverty, all of these things play into factors that have people feeling hopeless. And when the people feel hopeless, then they tend to lash out the most common uh, the most, uh, I guess, the public service that they touch the most are the ones that are most visible, and that would be us, and that makes us low-hanging fruit of people who are frustrated of 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 their of their lives, right. uh, their their communities, of uh, where we live, and frustration. Well, I see it in law enforcement.
1: Well, let's face it, Pat. You know, our our men and women aren't invited to homes when everything's going good. You know.
0: Well, you. You know, we we tend to see the worst of uh, the, the worst of things that uh, we, we deal with things in society. Most people would like to think don't exist, and uh, but but we we put pl- we serve a very very important role in our job. Our job is to to make their community safe, uh, and and it puts us in positions where we're at odds at times because it's you know because of the nature of our business. It's a frustration uh, as a law enforcement as an organization. I I, I truly think uh, we're allowed, as a law enforcement officers, to have some pretty extraordinary powers to do things. And that doesn't come without responsibility. That responsibility is just to the public we serve. Very true. And when we have people in communities that are frustrated and, and feel helpless and feel hopeless and, and we don't have a dialogue, then we all have a responsibility in order to be able to generate that dialogue so that, so that, one, we can educate on why we do the things that we do, but just as equally important is to hear what their frustrations are as well and see if we can't. Uh, adjust, make adjustments to provide that quality of service that's necessary in all of our communities. But, but keep in mind, too, and I, 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 I think this is something that's lost often. In every community, there are law enforcement agencies. And those officers and those law enforcement agencies, well, it's not in their DNA to let bad things happen to good people. So they're out there, they're doing a very difficult job. But what we, a lot of people feel, fail to realize is, is that they are the community as well. They're in the National Guard. They're volunteer firemen. They teach Sunday school. They do rec, rec ball. They do all of these things. That that's they are a member of the communities as well. So we have a vested interest as well to make sure our communities are safe.
1: Excellent point. In the
0: same place we schools.
1: Excellent point. You know, one of the things too, Pat, to to follow up on that is uh, what I, I want America to take out of this conversation today is that our police in the United States have realized that we are facing an epidemic of violence. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to use that word, but clearly when you look at the empirical data and the probability of risk, I'm going out on a ledge and I'm saying yes, it's an epidemic of violence. Police in our country have realized that they've had to change how they train officers, how to respond to protect their communities. And in that with that knowledge, they have trained officers and prepared officers to respond tactically from the moment that they arrive on scene, which is a lot different than they've done before. And also, police at law enforcement agencies, state, local, federal, are working together more now than ever before, collaborating more now than ever before, so that they can respond expeditiously. And once they respond, that their efforts are coordinated. Pat, would you say that this is something that we can expect to see from law enforcement even more in the future?
0: Absolutely, positively, I, it, and I think uh, simply looking at what happened in Dayton, Ohio, when, when brave officers rushed in and neutralized the threat, how many more people would have lost their lives had it not been for those brave officers that, that put their own safety aside, and I, I, I think you contrast that to other incidents that have happened in a country where where re- responses were a little slow, and we see the results of not fast uh, fast reaction. so we are uh, trained and our training is going to continue to to move towards a a tactical response and an immediate measure to ne- neutralize a threat rather than waiting for other for other uh, assets to get in place it's just uh, that every second that passes it could be alive
1: any any fraction of a second right because we we, we know we get off 38 rounds in, in what 28 seconds or something um, so the other part too and, and And just to finish up that thought so everybody can understand why these changes right and it's important that we address this today and I'm so glad Pat that that you've had time to come here to talk about this today. It's so important for everyone to also understand the next part of this conversation, and that is the word presence and what do I mean by that? I mean, like when I go to church on Sunday and you know and I see two of our local deputy sheriffs that are not just directing traffic as they used to before for the safety of everybody getting on and off the road. And God knows because as soon as Mass is over, everybody wants to hightail it out so fast they want to get in an accident in the parking lot, but I won't even go there about that. But what I will say is that now those officers are there by the church. They're there for our protection. So here's what I'm going to ask everyone here, our the best podcast, the best radio audience in radio, in audio, let's change The conversation, Pat, I'm going to ask you to join me in a call to action. I want us to start right now today. I want us to start a dialogue so that when our citizens everywhere in the country, when you go to church, when you go to the synagogue, when you go to a mosque, when you any house of worship you go to, when you go to the supermarket, when you go to a street fair, uh, when you're going to a bar, where you go anywhere and you see that police presence, say thank you. Walk up and say, "Hey, officer, thanks for being here." Try that once. I am. I, I beseech you, try that once and think of the great message you are sending to that person who's working for a fraction of their worth, trying to figure out which bills they're going to pay, has the same problems you do, and is there to make sure you go home. So, Pat, will you join me with that? And let's start. A, a, let's start a call to action so that when we see our brave men and women out there in uniform, we just woke up and say, Hey, thanks for being here. What do you think, Pat? I can, I I don't think I could put it any better
0: than you just did. I'll just add one thing. When you look at that officer who's working the streets that person, that officer there that's working these events that you attend, just keep in one mind, look at them because that's, that's the face of someone who has put their lives uh, second to yours. And, and, to illustrate that, let me let me just. There's some studies that suggest that a law enforcement officer is going to die 10 years earlier than the average person in America because of the stresses of the job. Uh, so, for the result, for the for the benefit of making uh, less money in a private in a public sector than you could make in a private sector, and giving up 10 years of your life, I, I think there's a tremendous value and responsibility and recognize that that. That officer is, is clearly making a huge difference, not only in your safety, not only your safety, but the cost of the value of your property and everything within your community. When it comes to public service, I would argue that all things are important, but probably none are more important than the safety of a community. Because if you don't feel safe, you don't feel safe in what you do and, and, and go about your daily business, then it has an impact on your community as well. Exactly Communities right. who do not feel safe. They have lower property values. They have all of these other things. So if you truly want to improve the quality of your community, you want to improve the quality of your of your property values, if you want to improve the quality just overall, then it's going to start with public safety. And the people, the men and women who put on a vest, a gun, a badge, pick up a fire, you know, drive fire trucks and, and put out fire, all of these things in public safety play a huge role in the importance of our communities so whatever your motivation is, pick one and do exactly what you're saying. Recognize that the people who are holding our communities together, a, a cor- at the heart of a free system in the palm of their hands, or standing right there at your event or at your corner, at the corner, they'll see them. You'll see them at a convenience store. Stop, take a few minutes, and thank them for, for what they do. Exactly. And the quality of your
1: And, and so, Pat, I'm going to ask you to help me with that. Because I want to get a message out to everybody, all of our listeners, and everybody you know, and everybody they know, and everybody that they know, and all the social media channels, let's start a call to action and do something different. You see an officer there at one of those events just walk up and say, hey, thanks for being here. That's it. Can you imagine the impact we could make? Because I got to tell you, it's few and far between Pat and my in my day. Where you got to thank you from a community, and when it when it happened, man, that was great. So my my last question, Pat, before we go, is this: as an executive for the Fraternal Order of Police, and a brief sidebar, so everybody knows. I mean, before before I retired from law enforcement, um, I was the vice president of an FOP lodge in Florida. Um, so. I have the utmost respect, been an FOP member forever, have the utmost respect for the FOP. But there's nobody better to tell our listeners what the FOP is and just how important the FOP is to all of its communities than Pat. Pat, just a, a brief, what is the, a little bit about the FOP?
0: Well, we're, you know, we're uh, 104 years uh, ago, we, we, we got our starts, our humble beginnings in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with a couple officers concerned about a uh, seven day work week. 12-hour days and, you know, just the working conditions and wanted to have a voice uh, in law enforcement. Uh, you know, a voice, sit down at the city and talk about issues that were important employment-wise. And from there, we have grown into an organization that has 347,000 members across the country and just shy of 2,200 local independent lodges. Uh, those lodges have their own identity. They all pick things, and I think that's our success. They all deal with things, all politics are local. So they they adopt programs and and sort of a personality of each one of their communities. And our goal is to improve the law enforcement profession and the communities we serve. Uh, So you're putting that mixture together in each community. You know, each one has their own identity, their own unique ways of of, uh, becoming part of their community. And in a broader sense, on a state lodge level, uh, we pull those 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 numbers together in each state, and we, we have a voice in a state house talking about things that are important in a state uh, more regional level you know a, a larger level and then nationally, we take that into Washington with us with the united voice of three hundred and forty seven thousand members trying to influence positive change in 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 law enforcement community, community the professionalism of what we do the, you know the, in, in, in reality the 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 challenges that we have are many. And they need to be they need to be addressed from PTSD to working conditions to job stability to all of these things at the end of the day, you might be able to argue and say, well, you know it 's all law enforcement issues, but I would go back looking at the discussion you and I had for the last twenty minutes that we are the cornerstone of public safety within our communities, and we, when we are stable and we are solid, and when we have the tools we need, and when we are being protected, and when we, when we when we have officers that are struggling because they they see things in society that most would like to think don't exist, and you know we have a moral and fiduciary responsibility to fix the things that are broken, you know, people that are broken into the service of our communities. I think we, you know, that united voice, all of that goes back to one thing: it's the quality of life within your community.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Your values.
1: And, and and I will add one thing to that, Pat. There is so much, and for everybody listening, there is so much that your local chapter, your local fraternal order police chapter does for its community without, and I can't emphasize this enough, and I know Pat will echo this, without any cameras, without any news crew, without getting a picture in the paper, but just because it's the right thing to do. And, you know, the FOP does a lot of great things for our country but I would have to say Pat that one of the greatest things that the FOP does are that the plethora of unselfish activities it incorporates into its daily business and by policy make sure that it doesn't have to be captured by camera, doesn't have to be blown up on the internet, they're not looking for it to go viral because that's the true character of our law enforcement that is what crystallizes who we're all about and certainly to me and to everyone, that's what the FOP is all about. So, Pat, on behalf of everybody here um, at Security Matters, uh, everyone here at, at CBS Radio, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to join us uh, and to share with us great knowledge and in, in your insight, your intellect, and everything that pertains to the message that we want to get out there. And, and I'll close, Pat, by by asking you to work with me on on let's get this call to action out there let's let people know that you know what when you see a cop at one of these events from now on just walk up and say hey thanks for being here what do you think we can do that right Pat
0: absolutely Paul thank you for being such an advocate for uh, for this profession and recognizing the importance of the role we play in this free society and yes absolutely uh, we are as an organization and as a profession we are our communities
1: so yes, we are we
0: live there raise our families. We want success for our communities as well so that's who we are it's all about the personal side what we need to do is we need to be much more objective we need to much be much more open in our free discussion with people who have who have varied opinions and see if we can't do some education on both our parts because we represent the people that we serve and uh do it we need to we need to have that open dialogue and so without a doubt yes uh, i thank you I thank you for uh for, for being such a strong advocate and i I wholeheartedly join you in this, uh, in this quest to call attention to the men and women in America who uh, put, the, put the safety and protection of the people they serve before their
1: own. Well, thank you, Pat. And we're going to continue to work together. I have no doubt about that. I appreciate you, you taking the time. You've been listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas here at CBS News Radio Production. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish up for the day. Stay with me. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. That was Patrick Yeo's National Secretary for the Veteran Order of Police and Commander of the Special Services Division of the St. Charles Sheriff's Office in St. Charles Parish, Louisiana. Uh, truly a, a, just a great, great leader in our country and a, a wonderful voice for uh, everyone that's, that's putting on a badge today. I want to close with this one message. And the message is policing today, ladies and gentlemen, requires an entirely different approach. And, and all the guys that started in law enforcement back when I did would be the first ones to admit that. You as community members, you know that you don't want to stop going to the mall. You don't want to stop going out on a Friday night for date night or bring your kids someplace for ice cream after a Little League game. You don't want that. You want to live your life, enjoy living in the greatest country in the world. And do so without fear. And it's because of that, that wish, that desire that you have, it's because of that, that police have changed their presence in the communities and their response tactics so that you could be safe. Yes, we saw the worst of things in Gilroy and El Paso and Dayton, but we also saw the best of things. We saw people that stopped what they were doing from all over to, to reach out and to help. The beauty of the human spirit. We saw a lot of that. And you're going to continue to see it. You saw fearless, and I mean fearless law enforcement officers, that running in the direction the bullets were coming from so they could stop it as quickly as possible and mitigate that risk. I think of every single one of our 1.35 million officers out there right now, including my nephew Joseph, who works at the Charlotte PD, who I am immensely proud of and love dearly. So let's join me in this When you see a cop at an event on the street, when you see a cop someplace at a house of worship, when you see them there in that location, just walk up and say, hey, thanks for being here. Give it a shot. Because I assure you, you will do more good than you could possibly imagine. On behalf of everybody here at Security Matters, I really appreciate you listening in. Please make sure you have a wonderful week. Be safe, be well. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violis. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudiocom podcasts.
1: Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too.